I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. It's Dean Jackson and Joe Polish, and we're here in a hotel room with a good friend of mine, uh, Michael Fishman. As, as we're wont to do. Yeah, yeah, which sounds really weird. Yeah, right, it doesn't just... sound weird at all coming from us. Well, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, first off, uh, how are you? Fantastic. I'm loving being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've known each other, me and you, for, gosh, I don't know, many, many years. Long time. Maybe eight, nine, something there. I think it's... I think it's over a decade, I mean, because I interviewed you a long time ago when we were doing this stuff on cassette tapes. Right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Pollard, Superstar yeah. Tape of the Month Club. Exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. And and so, uh, for people that don't know who you are, I mean, you help companies literally reinvent themselves, invent themselves, you know, branding. You tell your, people your, his full name. Michael Fishman. There we go. Didn't I say that already? You said Michael. Hey, good to be here. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. Okay, Michael Fishman. There we go. Yeah. Who are you? What do you do? <laughs> um, well, I've, well, you guys know. I've spent, well, just sharing with everybody listening, I've spent the last over two decades helping mostly health and wellness businesses um, maximize their marketing and blow out and build their businesses in marketing uh, information to consumers with books, magazines, newsletters, online content, online programs, supplements, and just health products. So any any company, any expert, any personality selling solutions of any kind around health to consumers is what I've been focusing on growing and, you know, like measured marketing, accountable marketing for the last over two decades. Hmm. How did you get into marketing? I mean, why did you pick this? Well, like a lot of people in marketing, it did kind of pick me in a way, you know. Um, <laughs> Otherwise unemployable. Right. Like um, but I actually started in my early 20s at an agency in New York. Um, so it was more of like a traditional environment. Um, but, you know, it was really kind of a commodity environment, very transactional. I really didn't have any mentors in that company. Um and I was just, I've always been fascinated with why people do what they do. It's just a fascination that I've always had. And that's, I think, the key to marketing is understanding why people do what they do. And there's been so many popular books helping entrepreneurs and the general public to understand that. So um, I started an agency and had the opportunity to, um, you know, uh, build clientele on my own. And I made a phone call in 1984 that changed the course of my life, which was calling somebody down at Rodale, which publishes prevention and men's health and women's health. And just without any sales training, without any, any way of how to go about it, I just introduced myself and said, I'd like to come down and talk to you. And that enabled me to help them start uh, building out the circulation, the subscriber list on prevention and help them build their book business, which at that time they thought they should shut down from, you know, less than zero to ultimately probably an annual maybe $350 million through just amazing, uh, you know, just super smart direct marketing. Well, you know, like all, and I'm going to just say things so that Dean doesn't have a chance to ask any questions. Exactly. But, uh, I mean, you know, some of the top uh, marketers, top copywriters in the world, because you've had to work with these people for many years. Um, you know, you were 
known as like one of the top list brokers uh, in the world, and you were doing all this stuff pre-internet, and right. we quit messing around with your your yeah. your watch, Dean. You're making all it's, these clinky sounds. It's, it's not it's not Dean eating or anything. I can I can vouch that Dean is making trouble. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but but you actually were doing all this pre-internet. You first, you know, really were just so knowledgeable about list, and what what I'd love to talk about with the time we have here, because this is going to be more of a shorter episode, is uh, the the list and and the marketing, the creative. What's mm-hmm. the difference between the two and, and, and that sort of stuff? Yeah. And, and the difference between, you know, maybe offline and online. Just some of your thoughts mm-hmm. on all those areas. Well, um, the list business where I got my start, the direct mail list business, was something that I worked in for over 20 years and have been out of for about eight or nine years. Um, but you know, just like I look, you know, I look at Gene Schwartz's book Breakthrough Advertising, written in 1966, and I say it's the best book on internet marketing ever written, mm-hmm. because the premise there is not about whether you're doing an infomercial or whether you're doing direct mail or whether you're doing internet, but but it's really about understanding at a very deep level why people want the things that they want, not only in the ways that they can tell you, but but very very importantly in the ways that they could never tell you, you know, why people make the purchasing decisions that they make in ways that they're not even aware of. You know, and what we might say the, the survival-based brain drives a lot of our decision-making and ha- why we like personalities and why we like copy and things like that. So, um, you know, without any real mentorship, I've, I just found my way through marketing by just figuring out why people did what they did and helping my clients identify the right direct mail list based on the psychology or, or the transaction behavior that got somebody on a catalog list or a donor list or a magazine list and how to understand and target those people for direct mail offers. Um, you know, and in, and in that, so that's and, interesting. You're saying rather than just focus on the fact that they're on this list, I just want to make sure I'm getting this yeah, right. Yeah. That you would think about what were the circumstances and thoughts that got them on that. List. Absolutely. So and it, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, yeah. here's here's an analogy of t- for today. I mean, you know, t- ten or twenty years ago, or even today, if we look at people that subscribe to a particular magazine, and one group of people come on via a sweepstakes, mm. and one group of people come on via an incentive or or a, a, a premium that, let's say, is a, uh, a pamphlet or a small book related to the content of the magazine, the more committed people are going to be the ones who got that extra content or that extra editorial piece mm. versus someone who came in on a sweepstakes. For an external will, motivation. External right. motivation or what we might call a shiny object or something very opportunistic in nature. Because yeah. you know? when people are promised they can win money, it's kind of like, oh, screw it, I'll, you know, let me subscribe. There's not a lot of commitment behind that subscription. And I look on the web today at things like pop-ups, okay, exit pops, which are those things that most people acknowledge are annoying and yet measurably work. Mm-hmm. And yet I would call it a shiny object. And I'm waiting for someone to segment their list of people who opted into an email list on a pop-up versus, say, at the end of a blog post. And I guarantee you, you would, say, you would see the same difference in terms of lifetime value and how, like, what is the commitment behind the Mm opt-in for someone who comes in in a pop and says, screw it, I'll just sign up, whatever, get rid of this thing, versus someone who reads a blog post and loves the content and is like, yeah, I love what I just read. I don't want to miss another post. Mm -hmm. That is a different human being. Mm -hmm. That behavior is so different. What do you call that? Like, uh, if you had to give that a term... Uh, I mean, because you, you have some very interesting terminology that you use to describe human behavior and analysis. I mean, if you had to give that a name, what would you call it? Well, the, the, the person who subscribed to a magazine via a sweepstakes or an email list via a, 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 an exit pop or a pop-up, there's an opportunism there. There's something very quick and not well thought out. 
It's a quick response. It's almost like buying, you know, the old Ginsu knives off a 30-second TV commercial. Oh, right. It's like it's quick and there's not a lot of commitment behind that behavior. So I would call it opportunistic mm -hmm. versus committed. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Opportun things that are op things that we want opportunistically, whether it's health, money, or any kind of improvement that would help us be better tomorrow than they are today. You know, if we want it quickly, it's opportunistic. If we know that you know, the best improvement happens over the long term, that's, that's a commitment. Yeah, like earlier today, we were at, we were at a marketing conference, and uh, there was a couple people that came up to me and you, Dean, that mm -hmm. had listened. Uh, one of them had listened to nearly every episode of I Love Marketing. And let's just say someone's listening to just this one. Well, mm -hmm. I guarantee if we knew everyone that has listened to at least 20 episodes, 30, right. 100, yeah. that is a much different person than someone that has just stumbled upon this podcast and listened to one. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and here, you know, here's the other interesting thing. I mean, back in the direct mail world, you know, people would always have the desire to reach the multi-buyer, the repeat buyer mm -hmm. that resided on the list, of the, of the, the list that they were marketing to. But when you think about it, a multi, someone who's bought multiple times from a company or has renewed a publication multiple times, that's an expression of loyalty. Right, yeah. That is an expression of loyalty. That person is loyal. They're happy with the information they got. They're less likely to jump to another source of information with a similar promise, a similar value proposition. And, you know, I think the same thing holds true. Um, the same thing holds true on the web, you know. You know, particularly when you're in, in a particular subject matter, health or money or personal development or entrepreneurship, if people have read a blog for, I mean, there's people that, you know, get tons of emails, tons of bloggers and so forth. But, you know, people that are discerning that are actually choosing what to read and what to consume. If somebody is listening to I Love Marketing over and over, you know, they're they're happy. It's, right. it's, it's fulfilling a need. They have limited time to, to commit to this kind of stuff. They're less likely to jump to someone else. So commitment is a great thing, but when they're committed to you, the flip side of that is they're less likely to jump anywhere else. And that holds true offline and online. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about human behavior. I mean, and, and a couple things you do. You do uh, the Consumer Health Summit, which is uh, one of your events. So you're very well known in the health niche. Uh, and also Behavior Con, which is something you did with, uh, you know, Ramit. Uh, I think you've done it what once? One time, yeah. And so you're you're a guy that studies a tremendous amount. So I'd like you to talk about um, just behavior and human behavior mm -hmm. and psychology, and maybe what what are some of your uh, preferred ways of learning about this? Because you you have just like us, you have spent years studying uh, human behavior. Yeah, and it's more than just marketing; it's like psychology, deep psychology. And so I'd like to get your thoughts on uh, what is that, and how does someone, out of all the things you've consumed in literally thousands of hours you've invested, what are some things that are absolute must dos for people that really want to go deep with this? Mm. Love the question. And look, I mean, we know there have been many popular books in the last five, six years, Freakonomics, The Tipping Point, Predictably Irrational, Contagious, mostly written by Ivy League academics. And, um, you know, so it, the, this, uh, this subject, this question of, how, of what makes people do what they do is a fascination to entrepreneurs and really the general public alike. I mean, people are getting super smart about the marketing that's coming at them. Um, you know, I mentioned Gene Schwartz's book, Breakthrough Advertising, which is hard to find, but, but not impossible. There's another book called The Culture Code by Clotea Rapai, oh, which is an amazing book. I've stuff. given away hundreds of copies yeah. of that. And he, sp he actually spoke at the 10th anniversary of oh, wow. Consumer Health Summit um, five or six years ago. 
And um, you don't record that, so no one can even get. Well, recording. exactly. It's kind of you know, it's like the safe, the safest space in the planet, you know, for in the planet for that kind of discussion. And w- what we've what we have not recorded breaks my heart. But at this, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, the level of disclosure is such that if we were recording, it just would not. It would just right. be different. There's no doubt. But. You know, I, I've been studying this since way before any of these popular... I mean, Breakthrough Advertising came out in 66. All these other books were like, you know, late, like early 2000s and, yeah, right. and more recently, even 2005 to the present time. So I knew there had to be connections in the way in which we were presenting marketing to people and how they would respond or how we could, you know, cross-promote. I mean, as an example from the direct mail world, when the four-color Magalog came out, which were these, you know, like the same dimensions as a magazine and, you know, 32 pages or thereabouts in four color, I thought, well, there's no way you could send an, a closed envelope to someone who had ever bought from an infomercial because it just didn't seem like the behaviors had anything to do with one another because you come into an infomercial anytime in those 26 minutes, you always can have a sense of what's going on. They repeat the certain cycles and the calls to action every few minutes. You can come in just about any time and figure out what's going on. An envelope had that massive barrier to entry, which is the, the sealed flap, Right, which mm-hmm. behaviorally is a huge obstacle. But I thought, well, in Magalog, where you can kind of flip to any page and it's color and it's exciting and you can find out what's going on on any page, <laughs> it's kind of like a paper analogy mm-hmm. to a 30 minute infomercial. That's and, true. And, and it turned out to be true. And we were able to mail probably hundreds of millions of Magalogs for Rodale and Boardroom and Healthy Directions and other companies yeah. to infomercial buyers, principally based on the physical format of what we were putting in front of, in front of people. Because to get people to migrate from one medium to another is very difficult. You know, if you send somebody a piece of direct mail right now and say, please go to my website, that requires them, or even from TV TV to the internet, Mm -hmm. or from direct mail to the internet, it requires them to get up from their TV or get up from the piece of mail, go to their web, you know, to their computer, get past Facebook, get past whatever else is coming in, you know, all the the, kind of the hurdles that are coming. So it's a hard migration to get people to go from anywhere to the internet. You know, I mean, my friend Vani Hari, who is, you know, the foodbabe.com, you know, when she goes on the Today Show, or you ask any author who's been on the Today Show or national TV, and you look at their web traffic from Monday through Friday, you can't tell what day they were on national television. But she was on, you know, Joe Mercola. Uh, Joe Mercola's podcast where people are on the internet mm. and there's a link for Vani's site and bang, they click and they're right there. Right. And the traffic was huge. So, so my, like my migrating from anything other than the internet to the internet is very hard. Most people, I mean, this is what I'm kind of going off topic here, but the, the point being most people that go on the today show or CBS news, whatever, it enables them to say they did it. Right. It is mm-hmm. clearly social proof versus anything that drives traffic. Um, but, you know, this, and so here, and the other piece on psychology is that, um, and, you know, I've talked about this at your event, Joe, and, and other platforms, um, knowing what people are aware, are aware of when they receive marketing or when they think about a product, knowing what they're aware of, and also knowing what, what might drive their decision to buy that they're not aware of. You know, those domains are very, very important. You know, it's like, and people could report to you what their feelings are and how they think about a person or a copy or a product, but they can't report to you what is happening in the part of their brain that is there to help them survive. Right. It, right. They're unable to do it, although we're all, we're all animals. We're, at, we're, you know, biologically we're animals and we have, you know, you, the three of us are sitting here. Our brains are on the lookout for snakes and tigers and fires and, you know. Lions and tigers like, yeah, and like, bears. Right? Well, plus but, that, that spider <laughs> monkey that's perching on Gene's shoulder right now. But, you know, so 
you know, we, our brains are designed to keep us alive, and, they're yeah. at, and the brain is always looking for survival threats, and in fact, there can be survival threats in marketing according to the brain. We don't want to put those in front of people, but sometimes without meaning to, we do. Well, okay, I want to ask you a question. Like, why do you think there's so many people that are anti-marketing that are out there? When I say anti-marketing, I mean, I don't think I'm manufacturing this or whatever just because I happen to be in the field and I see the resistance to it. I just think culturally, uh, people... Uh, you know, even the term marketing, a lot of people, it, it conjures up a negative connotation because right. they think of someone that high pressured selling them and, and people have a, you know, so many different definitions of marketing. But what, what is your take on it? Um, you know, why is there like this um, fear of, of marketing? Well, I, it, it's, it's really interesting because, um, you know, like, and I'll get, um, this is a relevant lead in, right? When people opt into an email list, a lot of times on the button that you click to actually opt into the list, the, the button says sign up or get updates or join us. And for me, that activates the five-year-old in every person that said to their mother, you're not the boss of me, mm-hmm. right? It's like marketing is, t- a lot of it is telling people what to do. Like mm-hmm. that, the button copy is saying, saying sign up. Right. Well, instead of putting a velvet rope around that offer and having that person say, I'd love to join, or please let me in, or something. So that voice, when that voice is in the voice of the visitor to the website, it's it's more likely that they're going to click because you're giving them their voice instead of ordering them around hmm. and unearthing the psychology of resistance as a child. Amazing. Okay, so so the answer to your question for me is that people resist marketing or think it's bad or any of that stuff because as much as they want, the, they may want the product and find appeal and even benefit or experience in what it is that's being presented to them. There, it's the internal battle, battle of, do they allow you to be right? Do they allow you to win and them succumb or surrender to actually order? There's always that psychological battle, no matter how much they want it. That's a great response. Too. No matter how much they want it. So, you know, that's, that's the internal battle that or, you know, sort of obstacle that you're always facing. No matter how much somebody loves what you have, to, to say yes, they need to allow you to be right. Can you, can you give us a couple of examples of that? Like, so one where we're not letting them be right and one where they are. I, well, so. I think, I mean, I think from, uh, thanks, Dina. You know, I think it's, I think it's universal. I don't yeah. know if I can think of a particular example, but, the, you know, the key to what seems to be working more and more, and you can see it because a lot in personal brands, a lot of personal brands write their own copy. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, you know, maybe they shouldn't do that. And I always tell my clients, like, hey, you should be envisioning the future of the company, not writing copy. But the fact of the matter is sometimes they are their own best copywriter. And that's because they're speaking in their voice. Their purpose as a human being is coming through. Mm-hmm. Their compassion for the audience and the individual people that they're serving is coming through. And, and, and there's also a lot of content in the marketing. So whether someone buys or not, they get a lot of useful stuff right. and things they can do and use and apply to make their life better. So marketing is, is, is the good marketing in the last 10 or 20 years in health and money and lots of other subjects has had content in it so that everybody can benefit whether they buy or not. The best marketing in recent times has become more compassionate, more loving, and has actually been the kind of marketing that creates relationships, not transactions. Mm-hmm. Any company, no matter what they sell, has to be creating relationships, not transactions, so that by definition, a relationship is something that persists. If it's good. Right. If it's good. Right. A transaction is a one-time shot that may recur, may not. You know, and that's why the other point is that other companies that are not necessarily media companies or companies that generate content, meaning articles or blog posts, every company now is now a content company or needs to be mm-hmm. to generate relationships. So, so is, what are some companies that 
you know, most people would know that you think, you know, just do some really great marketing. I mean, is there any some examples of, of marketing from big companies, which we don't always see a lot of mm. uh, great marketing, uh, but they're very big and they've grown a lot. And so, some of these companies are huge. So, so people that are small business owners model them and sometimes they just, you know, crash and burn because, you know, they, for reasons beyond their comprehension, mm-hmm. why something is working, they, they try to copy what they think it is, but it's, it's something else. But then there's other big companies that do some pretty damn effective stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Picasso said, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, I think knowing the basics is very important. I mean, if you don't know what it is about a wing that helps a plane stay in the air and you want to innovate a new wing, you have no chance to have it work because you don't know how a normal wing works. So to know, you know, I think knowing how marketing works in terms of best practices or what's been proven to work is, is extremely important because if you want to depart from that, you have to be able to measure your risk or to what extent am I departing from what actually works? Yeah, you know, that's, that's an interesting point because, you know, you take, uh, boy, who, who wrote, uh, I'm trying to think of the title of that book. I, it'll come to me and then I'll bring it up. But there's, there's, you know, books that are out there that are talking about don't copy what anyone else is doing. Be totally innovative. Right. And you give that to someone that doesn't even know how to take a model of something that does work in a proven recipe, and they're trying to reinvent a new recipe because they think that's where the breakthrough is. I mean, most of those people just flat out don't succeed because they just don't know the fundamentals that you're you're talking about. So for the listeners, uh, how do they go about doing that? Then maybe we'll come back to brands. I I do want to talk to you about brands and different companies and stuff. I think it depends on how your business is positioned. So if you as a personality are the face of your company... Let's say positioning the way Martha Stewart or Oprah, Tony Robbins, whoever you are, you are the face of your company, then the best place to look is for people who are personal brands or personalities positioning their business who do it in a, in a great way. You know, examples of that that are maybe not household names, but that we know and that we know are extremely effective are people like Marie Forleo, Chris Carr, right. um, Ramit Sethi, um, you know, those are some, you know, Lewis Howes, those are some examples that come to mind. Um, you know, those, I mean, in, in terms of personal brands, right. in terms of companies that are just doing really great customer, or like customer centric, loving, compassionate, great customer service, great product. Um, I mean, even, even just getting emails or shipping confirmations from a company like Zappos mm-hmm. and just seeing how they do it and how they make you love them so freaking much, you know, I mean, it, you know, Zappos is a multi-billion-dollar company, but there are things that are done there. I mean, now in in web design and in the technology that we have, it's not hard necessarily to do some of the things and to put some of the imagery and to have some of the capabilities that the biggest and the best have. Right. Well, it is, so it's definitely a more level playing field, now, right. right? That everybody can do all of these things. I wanted you to say something about uh, we were talking at lunch about the difference between you were talking about personal brands, but then there's another level too that's yeah. sort of parallel to that. Well, I think, you know, like we said, there's personal brands in which you as a man or woman are the face of the business. Um, and then, so you're that, I call that positioning the business with you. Then there's another way to look at your presence or your public presence in the outward face of the business or what web visitors or the public sees, which is humanizing your company. So if the company doesn't bear your name and you're the ABC health company or the ABC flower company or the ABC whatever company, that company is not positioned as a personal brand, but you as the founder or the visionary can have a little bit of a peripheral or somewhat offstage presence where you're warming up that situation. You may have a blog. The emails may come from you, first name, last name, slash, 
the name of the company that will increase your open rate guaranteed um, you know so that there is a person associated with that business but not necessarily the name of the business but that it warms up the situation it creates some warmth and some dimension and some depth and ultimately again helps to get past transactions into relationships people love having relationships with people more than faceless businesses and that's just human nature we are we are creatures that like socialize and connect with other human beings so any business just like i said any business regardless of what you sell should have content to make a vet to, to build relationships and any business regardless of 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 content or subject the, the founder or the CEO can have some visibility. It does not impede the, or, or compromise the name of the business. Ultimately, it does not compromise the ability to sell that business. Right. Mm -hmm. right. You know, companies that are personal brands are much harder to sell. If anybody is building a sustainable business where you're controlling your own destiny, you're doing paid traffic, you're not dependent on other people sending for you in the JV world, and you want to sell your business, being a personal brand makes it devilishly hard mm -hmm. to actually accomplish that. So there's there's a lot of implications both in marketing every day, warming up the business, creating relationships, and in ultimately exiting if that's what somebody wants to do. Well, and I, I've seen many people. Uh, you know, I, I, I recently had a dear friend uh, pass away who was just a giant in his field, but you know now his work because of the nature of just being all about him is is um, you know it's it's probably never going to have anywhere not even a fraction of the impact when he was alive because it was built like that so for our, our listeners you know my take on brands you've heard me you know rant about different things what are the smart ways to to think about brand and what are the dumb ways well branding and, and look no one very few people that are listening to us right now could ever pay the money that it takes to have a to have brand awareness like for me the ultimate brand awareness is that millions of people know you even if they've never bought from you Mm -hmm. They're just aware of you. And you can't buy that for less than billions of dollars. And it makes, I mean, it's just irrational. It makes no sense. And no one should ever think they could get to that point. Unless you're viral or you're on the, you know, I mean, in rare exception, can you ever, you just can't create that. But the effective way to look at branding is, you know, for any size business, what do, what do people expect from me? And what is the experience that they can rely upon time after time after time? You know, what is repeatable about this business and how our, how our products look or taste or smell or work or, you know, deliver an experience that people can repeat, that, that people can expect over time. What is our service like? What is our customer care like? What is our website like? And so there's an experience around the business that people associate with emotionally, right? Not just, oh, I like this product or it delivered on time, but an emotional response to that business, which has a lot of moving parts. It could be what your box looks like or the ribbons that you put on your, you know, it could be anything. It could be anything. Um, so, you know, I think, I mean, and, and the, other, the, the other thing to, to acknowledge is that it's a huge mistake for anyone in your business, most especially you as the visionary or, or founder, to think you're more well-known than you are. Yes. Companies make this mistake all the time. And the fact is, even big brands and big publishers and big personalities need to reacquaint themselves, even sometimes with their own customers, to remind their communities about the sources of their credibility, the sources of their integrity, the sources and the details of their track record. Um, so assuming you are better known than you are ultimately leads to mistakes in product development, mistakes in marketing, and it leads to assumptions in the, the, the ability to you know, write copy in a particular way that just, it just leads to trouble. 
So what are, what are the fundamentals, to, to go back to the thing of learning the basics, what are right. the things that people really uh, need to, say, not only learn but have uh, a level of competency all the way up to mastery in their, in their area if they really want to be you know, one, of the, one of the top? In, mar- in marketing? Well, in their, in their category, in their industry, or mm-hmm. you know, not, not per se, you know. Let's just say someone wanted to be as brilliant as is Dean, Dean Jackson here. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. So we'll take that in a parallel direction. But in, in all the experience that you've had, you have a couple of magic tricks that mm-hmm. you could like. If I, I go in to somebody's business, I, the the nine word email is like a magic trick that I can mm-hmm. go into somebody's business, and if they've got a list of people that have inquired but not yet converted, we can send an email to them that says. Hey Michael, are you still interested? Are you still looking for a house in Winter Haven? Yeah. Is there? Have you got some kind of like magic trick that? Well, yeah, and I love the question. I mean, I mentioned before, make the copy and the opt-in button their voice, not yours. Okay. And you've tested that to say that please let me in, or I'd love to join us better. I'm I'm in. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. Or let's do it. Like two or three simple words. The other thing, and this is a, this is a little more of like a mantra than a than a specific. I mean, this could be executed so many ways, but the point is, um, we we work so hard to have people understand what it is we as businesses do and offer, and why it's the best, and why they should have it. And to, but so we work hard to have people understand us. How hard do we work to have them feel understood by us? Mm. And that is, and those things are hugely, hugely different. You know, Mandela said, when you, speak to a, when you speak to a man in your language, you, can, you speak to his brain. When you speak in his language, you speak to his heart. Oh, very Words to that very effect. Close. So if someone has a relationship with you as a business, that resides in their heart. A transaction resides in their brain. A relationship resides in their heart. And so if you're, if you're you know, dealing with them, you want to speak the language that they speak in their experience or the way they would articulate the challenge that they have with respect to what it is you're promising or offering. And the other thing that's very close to that is don't be easily understood. Be impossible to misunderstand. Mm. And that also is a huge gap because anytime you use words where you're like, oh, most people will get that. Well, no. Yeah, that's not like, no. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Visine eye drops gets the red out. Uh-huh. 100 out of 100 people will understand those words and interpret them in yeah. the very same way. Yeah. So understanding and interpreting also two different things. Will everyone understand it? And will the interpretation be uniform? 100 out of 100. And now you're communicating effectively. Mm-hmm. You know what? I want a little slogan like that for Genius Network. Like, that's as easy as get through. What, what do you think? <laughs> just off the top of your head. Well, it's, well, just manufacturing I mean, the best three words that could describe you. The funny thing is, like, these three and four word things. I mean, I work on this with clients all the time, and it literally takes hours. Yeah, well, um, I want it right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no that, well, let's see. It's kind of a funny day. We got a bunch of people in town for Genius Network. You're getting ready to go to uh, dinner with our buddy Sean Stevenson. Uh, we're going to go to uh, dinner with Sally Hogshead. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes before you need to rush out the door. So, uh, me, and, me and Dean are probably going to just talk about this episode. Yeah, we'll right? talk and, about and, it in and, the car on the way. Yeah, so this will be a weird episode. We'll, we'll, we'll start up another recording <laughs> with me and Dean, and I'll let Dean just kind of go off and, and ramble about what he thought about you, Michael. But uh, to, to wrap up, uh, any recommendations or final things to go deeper with what you're talking about, mm-hmm. other than what you know, you've mentioned, the, some of the books mentioned earlier, uh, you should read those books. Uh, and and how, how do people, if they ever want to hire you, uh, I mean, you don't put out a lot of information products or anything. People really no. hire you to strategize, and you're not, you're not a cheap consultant, but you're, you're, you're hired by people that really want to you know, 
reinvent the companies and or right. dramatically increase their uh, their revenues and their business. So let's talk about. Well, look, everybody listening, you know, everybody listening knows the difference between something that's valuable and something that's expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. your genius network is valuable. Right. Regardless of what it costs, because people by in our participation get a multiple of what it costs to participate as a return. They yes. pay twenty five thousand, they get hundreds of thousands, and in many cases millions. It's reassuring the expense. You know, so um, so you know, none of us, all of us sitting here, charge significant dollars. But but you know, people that charge far less than we do are very expensive because they're just not as effective. <laughs> that is a great. That is true. Not only is it a great point, and it sounds like a positioning thing, but it is true. It is absolutely it's 100%, true. Hundred percent. You know, five thousand dollars with somebody who can't produce is a is a major expensive waste of money. Yeah. You know, anything. Paying fifty grand for someone they can is absolutely. the best fifty grand you ever spend. Um, so, um, and, and the other thing for me is everybody that I work with, I mean, a lot of this stuff sounds qualitative or kind of, you know, just theory, but everything I've talked about can be proven in, res- in specific analytics right. on websites, on, in email marketing, in opt-in rates. So, uh, so I think you guys know I only work with what I call a scoreboard. Yeah. I, w- I want to be measured every step of the way mm-hmm. so that I'm, v- I'm always valuable and never expensive. Well, and, and I recommend, I've been recommending you for years to the right type of, of company, you know, that, that like if they, need, if they need someone to come in that, to see things, understand things, dialogue through stuff, and figure things out that they cannot, will not, and won't on their own, that's right. when a guy like you is called upon. Yeah. So uh, who, who are people that, at what point does someone seek out uh, and invest in, in things like, like a guy like you? Well, usually it's, it's an organization or a personality that has meaningful enough traffic where the kinds of tests we want to do on their website can be actually be put, can be put on the site and do the split testing, which I think people are familiar with, and actually evaluate is headline A better than headline B? Or is this opt-in box better than this opt-in box? Or those kinds of things. Um, and so within a few days or a week, we can usually measure the results and go with the better version and continue to build and build, test one variable at a time, and, you know, ultimately, you know, just, you know, usually double, triple the business. I mean, those are not unusual outcomes. Um, but, um, sorry, put me back. No, on. no, no. Yeah, so, no. So, so, well... That's a kind of, you were answering the question, who's ideal? Somebody who's yeah, already got thank you. significant yeah. traffic. So somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody has significant traffic so that we can very quickly validate that my participation is worthwhile. Now, sometimes people are starting from scratch, and we can, there isn't enough traffic to necessarily prove things, but they want to make sure that the foundation of their building enables them to build a tall, strong building. Right. Because the foundation counts also. <laughs> sometimes I come in six months or a year or two years later, and I say, okay, we need to go back to the foundation because you can't build the way you want to build based on the foundation you've laid down here. It won't support it. Right. So if somebody wants to spend that kind of money for the insurance of having a strong foundation, sometimes I'll work in those situations too. But for the most part, it's, it's a business or a personality with meaningful enough traffic where the testing and the validation of what we're doing can happen, you know, within days, if not weeks. Right. And one thing I want to point out, because, you know, a lot of times people will misconstrue this as like a setup to try to pitch someone and, oh, you know, let, let, you should hire this sort of guy and things like that. And in many cases, it is, you know, because I'm, I'm very open about people that I think are awesome. If you're, in the, if you're a right fit client, you should you know, you would be well served to actually invest that money. The thing is, is that when you, what, what a lot of people don't understand, especially if they're new in business or they're new to marketing, 
is you see all these people that are New York Times bestselling authors. You see these people that have built these big companies. What they don't realize is that this shit didn't just happen. I mm. mean, they, they, and they in rare, it rarely did they figure it out on, on their own. It, I mean, they are, there are certain people behind the scenes. And it wasn't the book that got them on the New York right. Times. That's the thing. Nobody's getting launching to notoriety from the book that they've written. They're taking the notoriety that they developed and launching to the New York Times list. That's, right. it's, yeah. it's all marketing. It, yeah. it, I mean, it's such, a, it's such a marketing game. And so the thing is, if you are going to become successful, the sooner you realize that, it, you know, it's like Dan Sullivan says, if you've got enough money to solve the problem, you don't have a problem. Right. And if you can actually, if you've got some area of your business where you're stuck or you want to get yourself over the mountain, Okay, you can just trudge along, trudge along barefoot, or you can say, you know, maybe a pair of shoes would actually help. Maybe a guide will actually help. Maybe some skill in this area. Maybe rappelling will actually help. Take so, this donkey. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and so there, along the way, you know, I, like, I can, if there's anything that I've done, because I don't consider myself a very smart guy in a lot of areas. If there is one area where I give myself a lot of credit is I'm ins- ins- insatiably curious. And secondly, I was always willing to invest along the way in order to find people that had been there, done that, that could shorten the learning curve. And so therefore, I've seen people that I really think started off very bright, very tough, but they wouldn't invest money. Mm. They wouldn't hire people. They just wouldn't go to seminars. They wouldn't do certain well, stuff to the learn. Difference. If you look at your path, the difference between writing all the copy for your info business by yourself right. or hiring Dan Kennedy to write your copy. Yeah. And it's an advantage to have Dan Kennedy writing the copy for your business. And there are other people, we all know them, who started their businesses at the same time that didn't launch to that same level of success because they weren't willing to invest in something that's going to get them there faster. Yeah, exactly. And so here we're at the Phoenician Hotel in Arizona, right? And we just had lunch with Lisa Sasevich, okay? She's a new Genius Network member. And when me and Dean were interviewing her, she said this statement like, I'm doing my best to be the client I want to attract. And then she talked about other stuff, and I came back and I said, I really love that line. And and right, she actually joined Genius Network Live on a podcast recording because I brought that up. She goes, you know what, I've been thinking about it for a while, and I'm just going to say it here, I want to do that. And the thing is, there's people here that are listening going, you know, who is the client you want to attract? Do you want to attract the very best people? And if you want, they're going to give you money, are you doing the same thing? Are you actually hiring experts? Are you learning from the very best? You know, the best advice I can give people is, look, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. So apply what it is you learn, make the money. But as soon as you've got anything that is going to give you, you know, like added advantages, unfair advantages, an edge, uh, you know, a, a skill set, a capability, go and get it. And the quicker that you can do that, the better. So how do people yeah. track you down if they want to find out if you're like a guy that can help uh, catapult well, the I'll, business? I'll answer that, but I'll also say you know, third year Genius Network member, proud of it, return on investment every single year. Thank you. Um, you know, I just recently hired Clay Ebert, who's a brilliant consultant in New York in crowdfunding and other kinds of like web entrepreneurial ventures to support me in a venture that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So I'm out there, you know, seeking out the best people that can show me my blind spots and take me by the hand and, you know, down the, you know, what might be a black cave to me and they can kind of shine the light and illuminate the whole situation. You know, right. Um, so I love it. And, you know, value is the key. You know, um, I'd be honored to, you know, answer questions or whatever. I mean, uh, my website has a, an email opt in and a contact form, michaelfishmanconsulting.com, or if you prefer, uh, Twitter at Michael Fishman. 
Cool, yeah. cool. Uh, any famous last words before we're all off to, uh, to This dinner? is fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. I loved it. No, I great. always love, there's a different energy in the hotel room episodes we do, you know? Well, you know, yeah, I mean, well, you're kind of cramped be, yeah. into a hotel room yeah, and we're yeah. sitting there with a little recorder. And yeah, <laughs> no, I, I love it. It's nice to be able to uh, look at people. You know, it's, it is a different energy. Plus, we've had the, you know, the day we've been hanging out together. So it kind of builds. Yeah. To, and, and look, to the other thing, stuff. I mean, this, this is a different program than you interviewed me for eight, nine years ago. Yeah, but, it's just, but what a treat to come back to your program. So thank you guys both. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're, you're a super smart guy. So I hope everyone listening really got a lot of value out of it. Me and Dean will continue with some very special editing. Yeah. We're going to continue on and we're just you know, as if we didn't even leave. Through the magic of the pause button. Yeah, through the yeah. magic of the pause button. And uh, please uh, put your comments on what you got out of listening to uh, Michael, what sort of insights, what perspectives, and share this with anyone that you think uh, could gain value from it, which are most entrepreneurs and business owners. And uh, you put your comments at ilovemarketing.com and you can subscribe uh, on iTunes uh, or wherever uh, this podcast is aired. And so thank you again, Michael, and we'll do, a, we'll do another one in the future because you're awesome. Yeah. Thanks, thank, Michael. Thank you, guys. And we're back. Yeah, we're back. See how easy that was? Well, we're, we're, we're back. We're episode. in a noisy car now. That's okay. It's gonna, so anyway, we're driving in a vehicle. I'm driving right now. We're going to hear... The, uh, we're, we're, we're heading over to a convention center to pick up uh, Sally Hogshead. She just gave a presentation earlier today to over 3,000 people uh, at an InfusionCon conference, uh, which is what InfusionSoft does. And I'm, I'm InfusionSoft's second customer, yeah, which yeah. is kind of funny. And you can watch that episode with uh, Clay Mask and you know Scott or the founders. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So we're going to talk about Michael Fishman. Yeah, which was, we, we what a great episode that was. I mean... That it was a great conversation, and we've been hanging out with them for a few hours yeah, through yeah. the day, so that sets the context for it, and, um, you know, I found really useful this distinction that he made between uh, a personality brand and humanizing a brand. That, that was, I think, a very key distinction. And when he used, we talked at lunch, some of the examples that he um, used, you know, like you're using Tony Robbins as a personal brand and Oprah and Martha Stewart, they're personal brands. And then um, used examples like um, Steve Jobs humanizing the Apple brand and uh, Dave uh, Thomas from Wendy's, you know, humanizing and Lee Iacocca with, with Chrysler. And so that was a pretty interesting um, distinction because it changes the way and the the tone of, of how you communicate with people. I just think I think Michael is really brilliant and thoughtful at thinking through the other person's perspective, their view. You know, really thinking it through from experiencing it from um, from their perspective. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, plus he's, he's such a student of, uh, of psychology. I mean, yeah. he really studies uh, behavior mm-hmm. and he, he is very analytical and he's kind of a perfectionist in that yeah. area too. And then you can, you can tell by the way he talks and the way he thinks about it. And I think one of the lessons there is how seriously do you take little things that could make a big difference. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the same little hinges swing big doors. I mean, he, you know, his, his comments about 
the opt-in button and, yeah. and putting it in their voice versus your own voice or telling right. them what to do. Uh, I've never heard it quite described that way. Mm-hmm. Although I've, you know, I've actually sat it's there. Wisdom. It's wisdom. Yeah. It's 20 years of, of concentrated wisdom on that, the behavioral elements of online marketing. Right. The right. psychology of that, of not just online, but offline, any kind of marketing. And yeah, it really is that kind of stuff. You know, he's the epitome of the guy we talked about um, last episode that you and I did in your uh, in your conference room in the library. That the uh, you know field reports versus book reports is yes. there's a guy who is. 20 years full of field report knowledge, right? In the field, real results, knowing definitively that if you put these words, I'm in, or let's go, or something that's in their voice, that that makes a difference compared to sign up or you instructing somebody. I want to, you know, I I see that definitely as a... um, you know, that was some wisdom that he dropped on us there. <laughs> well, it really was because, you know, it's something even for me, a lot of the times I always use things like what it is, download now, instant access, which are things that are the benefit of what's actually going to happen when you push that button. That's been my go-to thing, which is different than sign up or, um, you know, subscribe now or any of those kind of directive things. I've, I've always used uh, benefit-oriented copy, but he's saying using their affirmative um, language copy, it's almost like it's um, coming, like it's their idea. Yes. That's and, an well, interesting... Well, t- talk, talk about uh, maybe what he talks about is applied to Gene Schwartz in Breakthrough mm-hmm. Advertising because a lot of people oh, that's have not so... read that book, but you know he, he mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. So. I, you know what? It's one of those books that um, it's just so funny. I, I actually have it constantly. Like I have more than one copy of it, and I have it constantly, um, you know, out to reference, and it's underlined and noted and. <coughs> excuse me, using all of the um, things that I work on, I'm using those as as notes. But that book is one of those wisdom books that is like transformationally um, full of wisdom. And in a way that you can go back to the well. And, you know, it's one of those kind of like um, a tool for thinking about your thinking in a lot of way. I hadn't thought about that before, but this is the first time I'm saying it like that, that you can bring the challenge, the the copy project, the product or service that you're working on right then, you can bring that with the forefront, uh, you know, on your mind, bring that thought to the book and you experience the book in a different way as how it applies to that particular um, thing that you're doing, right? So, right. I, I look at it that, that it's never the same book twice because you've had different experiences and different results every time you open it up. Yeah, every time you come to it. And then our buddy Brian Kurtz, who's also dear friends with Michael mm-hmm. Fishman, he actually owns the rights now to yeah. uh, to to. And see, I told you the uh, you, okay. you guys would hear. We're the, turning left. 
Not yet. Just a, no, it says in half a mile, point four it. miles. So keep going. Keep, That's okay. keep, keep hitting them with so, some smart Well, stuff. the funny thing was, I'm okay, driving so, here. Yeah, no, we're in the same. So we're in that world. Just to talk about how, like, we're hanging out here with people at the highest level of the game. The highest level, right? And you're talking about Brian Kurtz owns the rights to this. He's at the, the top level of the game. Michael Fishman for 20 years. Um, Paris Lampropolis came... Uh, hung out with me on Sunday and we were talking about breakthrough advertising. We were talking about Eugene Schwartz because we were having a conversation about um, I wish we can, he came to my house. We were I was showing him the things I had done with the tidying um, book and then we were talking about the next step in the process for me is books and how I'm going to you know winnow down my, uh, my book collection and we both agreed that Breakthrough advertising is has to be in the books that bring me joy, right? You know, because I know how much money that book has made me. You know, I, I get particularly joyful when I think about a book that sparks the thought of an idea that I had while reading the book and executed it and made a lot of money. That that's I get joyful about that. So <laughs> I like should. to keep those books around. You know. Well, and, 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 the, and the whole thing is, uh, I, I wish there was a way to download that sort of knowledge into someone's head and say, oh, you don't have to read this book, but at the end of the day, you kind of do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is really no way to impart that in the time it would take. And Breakthrough Advertising is not an easy book to get through. No. It's, it's, a deep, it's a deep book, but it's a, it's a highly reflective book, and if if you get that into your... Well, it comes... It come, I think I know this... Uh, I think what I was saying earlier is that it is a more impactful book if you're coming at it with an experience and with a, a particular um, project in mind. Right. That it creates that because now you've already had some experience, you've had some thoughts, you can understand where, you know, what the um, mass desire that you're just trying to focus on your product or service and that that i think if you could sum up like if you were to say how the book about tidying is really to surround yourself with things that bring you joy yeah maria Marie, yeah the book we talked about last episode and that you know breakthrough advertising one of the biggest um you know impactful ideas from that book for me was this idea that you can't manufacture mass desire you can only identify it which mass desire your product is going to most be uh, benefited by and direct that mass desire on your product or your service and that's been um, that's where you know the early idea of you know, understanding the distinction between compelling and convincing. That compelling is once you tap into the mass desire, and and it's it's kind of a, um, a you know a cool thing to understand what mass desire is the most um, you know beneficial to your to what you're trying to accomplish and knowing that when you tap into that it's like 
getting in the jet stream. It's, it's that, you know, it's immediately there's already movement that people are already moving in that direction of the things that they want. And we um, had a great experience of that this morning. Because, I mean, what a, what a day we've had, actually, when you think of, if you were just to, like, break down the things that we've done today alone for people. Well, why don't like, we describe it as a day in our life uh, okay, uh, yeah, starting I mean, this morning? It's why like a reality show Why don't you today? explain it? You stayed over my place last night. Yeah. So we wake up, and we uh, left the house about 7 o'clock, and we went and had some, uh, well, first of all, we were going to the convention center, so we got to the icon uh infusion soft conference yeah we only we only went there because i'm doing genius network this week right. so i we didn't have time to go to the whole conference but we went right. and saw so sally we to and see sally hogshead yeah and so the cool thing is you know we we as soon as we get in the elevator where we see these guys come over hold the elevator and they're uh guys who's you know have listened to almost every uh i love marketing podcast and so we get you know have a nice conversation with those guys we take some pictures and we go and you know it was every 10 paces we were running into people who um listen to the podcast which is really kind of um and then we make fun of our friends who are yeah. like you know well-known quote-unquote gurus but they actually aren't approachable i think like we are i mean we don't you know we, we, we try to go we don't like barricade ourselves right. we, we go out and you know try to talk to people when we can and be nice and all yeah. that but it was fun to do a little bantering on that so mm -hmm. we, we show up and continue so we did that so but here was the lesson from watching sally today she was brilliant and um uh you know, the the overriding thing that we learned from there is she did a brilliantly simple um, thing that, that just amplified the fact that people are have an insatiable appetite for their self-interest. Yeah, because her new book is, is How the World yeah, Sees You. How the World Sees You. And the way that she did it, the way that she, she presented everything and offered her gift to people was very just completely um, focused on get your attention focused on you, which is the thing that everybody is, is most interested in. So that was just a nice amplification of that. Then we uh, left there and we went, we popped by Dean Graziosi's office and we had, uh, you know, just hung out there for a little bit with Dean and uh, Brendan Burchard was there Jeff and, and Jeff and Hayes Ethan was there, well, yeah. Ethan Willis and... Um, all friends because of Genius Network, of course. Uh-huh. And yeah, all with the with us with each other too. That right, right, right. That. Yeah, yeah. That whole it's the thread that that uh, really. No, ties Genius Network ties together. everything. Together. It really does. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what did we do? Then we hightailed it over to pick up Michael. The, uh, yeah, we picked up Michael Fishman. Then we went and had, had a great lunch. We had a great lunch at this great restaurant called the Henry, which is just a perfect really great environment my girlfriend joined us because I needed to throw that in yeah and uh, then we went over and met with Lisa Sasevich for another sort of uh, after lunch. we visited my, my <laughs> house oh yeah we went up to your house that's right 
and uh, <laughs> that was great. And that was where Michael and I, well, you were on the phone with uh, John Butcher. Michael and I had a uh, great conversation about this idea of, and we were looking over the valley, and I said to Michael, you know what every one of those people are doing right now? <laughs> and he laughed, and I said, they're thinking about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> They're consumed by it. That's true. And it's absolutely true. And that, you know, nothing better than the, the talk that, uh, that Sally gave today to really just amplify that, you know, that everybody was fascinated by it because it's about themselves, you know? Yeah. And so uh, then we went up to uh, Michael's room and we recorded the first half of this episode. And then we ran all over the property, had people taking us around on golf carts trying to get from one side of the resort to the other and we here we are recording the second half of this uh of a great podcast and we're on our way to pick up sally hogshead to go and have uh dinner and then we're gonna have a great two days at 25k at your office tomorrow and friday and there you go and that, that that's it so that's the uh that, that's how that's how we do things in the words today. of the great american poet kanye west my life is dope, and I do dope shit. Oh, God. And by the way, I don't believe he's he's great, but that, no. that, there you go. <laughs> that, that, that. <laughs> so that's awesome. And uh, you know, give us. Uh, I, I think that's it. Do you have anything else you want to add? I, I mean, think uh, th- there's just there's a lot of uh, stuff there. I think that um, the directive would be read the uh, read breakthrough advertising if you haven't already done that. I mean, yeah. certainly. There's um, something great there. We should it, actually do an episode talking about um, breakthrough advertising. Yeah, we could. We could. We yeah. could we'll, we'll do it with uh, Brian Kurtz at some point in time. Maybe invite Michael Fishman back mm. onto. And so what I want to do is I want to thank Michael again for a great episode. Very bright guy, and he gave his website out earlier. I think it's Michael Fishman Consulting. And uh, yeah, check it out and give us your comments on ilovemarketing.com. And again, you can subscribe to our episodes uh, on iTunes so you get one of these delivered every time we do a new one. There we and, go. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening and share this with your friends and loved ones. Bye.